Welcome to the Libertarian Tex-Mex Podcast. Here's your host, Caesar Aguirre. Hey everybody, I'm back. Took a little hiatus. Um, enjoyed my vacation actually, uh, the the holiday season. Um, took a little time off. You know, I uh, kind of stacked myself on a lot of things that I'm, I got going on, a lot of pots on the fire, so to speak. So I said, uh, you know what, I'm gonna take a little break from everything, spend time with the family, focus on the things in front of me, and it definitely was a good refresher uh, for well, as much as you can over the holidays. Um, we know we all know that uh, it can be a little stressful um, in terms of all the activities, all the things you got to do, financial stress, family, friends, whatever you got going on. It it adds an extra layer of pressure, even though it's supposed to be a time of you know uh, you know reflection, um, thoughtfulness, stuff like that. It really adds a little adds a little bit of pressure to us. So, anyways, but um, was able to focus on. Uh, on my family, my friends, my wife, everything like that. Um, had a great time, had a good holiday. Uh, didn't go anywhere fancy, didn't do anything crazy. Uh, not this year. Uh, next year we're having our family reunion on my dad's side. It's going to be a lot of people and they're coming to Houston. Um, so we are supposed to be on that planning committee for that. <laughs> so, so we'll... Uh, I'm going to have a busy uh, Christmas next year. But anyways, hope your holidays went well. Um, and um, wanted to do a quick touch point with everybody out there listening to the podcast. Um, we want to thank everybody listening. Um, appreciate your support. Appreciate your ear and listening. And please, you know, please comment. Please repost. Um, please share. I think the biggest thing for uh, for me is we want to share and have a conversation with people, um, um, not just about our ideas, but we do definitely want to share our ideas. I, I think they're fairly unique um, in the landscape of politics today, but um, so they can offer an, a you know kind of a third a third option. Um, that could help with the stalemate that we got going on, but also we want to hear other people's ideas. Um, we want to dialogue. We want to converse, not with just people who think like us, but we need to go out there and converse with people who don't think like us. And for sure, you know, it's very easy to get trapped in conversations where you are kind of arguing or it kind of devolves into kind of a shouting match where it's kind of an insult, counterpoint, insult type of thing. And I'm really guilty of it as well. I try to kind of check myself um, and just focus on the topic, focus on the idea. I always have a philosophy that I try to, you know, I, I try to follow, but sometimes I'm not perfect. But I always say, you know, um, argue or disagree with the idea, um, but don't argue with the person, if you know what I mean, right? You know, kind of focus on the topics uh, focus on the conversation that you're having. Don't let it kind of devolve into insults about me versus you, you know, uh, try to make it more of, um, 
you know, let's let's focus on the ideas. Let's focus on fleshing out this conversation. Uh, and yeah, but sometimes it's hard. I know Facebook, social media, it's really easy to kind of just turn into a shouting match where people are just insulting you, or maybe you're kind of insulting other somebody else, or you're, you know, being sarcastic or snarky, and it turns into just a snark fest, right? And I am totally guilty of that, by the way, because I'm like a master at snark. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, sometimes I have, sometimes I go with the intention of like, okay, let's let's start some start some shit here. Um, for some conversation for fun, you know, and then sometimes you, you know, want to talk and have a serious conversation. So I'm not saying you has to be one thing or the other, but the dialogues help, um, bring some, some community there. Um, and as long as it doesn't devolve into a shouting match, um, most people can respectfully have a conversation. And even if they don't agree with you, at least you can hold that respect. However, there are other times where it does turn into a shouting match. So that's a different tactic altogether. <laughs> we won't go into that. Um, but we just wanted to say that we're moving into 2019. I'm sure everybody's doing their new year, new me type thing. And that's okay. Um, I know there's some people that kind of complain about the roll their eyes about, oh my God, it's new year, new me. These people always come and then they fizzle out. And that's okay though, you know. Um, it just depends on, on, uh, what you want for your life. Um, you know, some people are like, you know what, I'm not going to change. And let's be honest, I'm never going to change. So let's just stay this way and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm fine with that. Other people, other people need that motivation, right? Other people need that new year, new me to get going and they'll do okay. And then maybe they'll fizzle out, but maybe some people will get going and then they'll keep going. So um, there's always a chance. There's always a chance that these things work for people. And, uh, you, you know, you want, you want to let people decide for themselves how they want to do things. Uh, obviously, as a libertarian, we want people to make up their own minds and make their own decisions. So, um, so if somebody wants to do a new year, new me, good luck, you know. Uh, but if you're on the other side and uh, you're like, same, same uh, new year, same me, <laughs> that's okay too. <laughs> Um, I personally, um, you know, I kind of, um, I, I do believe that, uh, you know, uh, I, I believe in seasonal affect, meaning there's certain seasons where you are eating super healthy and exercising and super active. And then I believe there's seasons like the winter and the cold where people, you know, eat up, eat a little bit more. They, they kind of gain weight. Um, they bundle up, maybe they're not as active, um, maybe they're not as social, um, and then, you know, springtime comes, they're a little bit more, they're a little bit outdoors, and then summer, it's like ripping and warring, and then fall kind of dwindles down. I do personally believe in the kind of the time and tide of, of the year of life. So, um, you know, I think looking back at 2018, it was definitely, um, you know, October through November, uh, I'm sorry, uh, November through December was definitely like a wind down moment and, um, and kind of relax. Uh, I was kind of on my own personal, uh, journey to kind of clean up my eating and being more, um, being more regimented on my exercise. And I did okay. Uh, it took me about, <laughs> it took me about a year <laughs> to lose about 15 pounds. Uh, but I did, I lost 15 pounds and then unfortunately I gained like six or eight of it back, uh, from Thanksgiving through Christmas. 
but you know, it was one of those things that I had to uh, kind of sh- not struggle with, but it's definitely, um, you know, I don't have the, the, the genes for the perfect body, right? Um, I don't have that phenomenal metabolism, so I definitely have to try uh, a lot harder to get that metabolism going. Or on the other side, it's very easy to kind of uh, overconsume and gain weight. I'm just I'm just that body type, right? So I have to be a little bit more re- regimented and, and disciplined about it. And uh, definitely going through the winter season totally threw that off. Um, but, you know, so I, I kind of, uh, I don't say I'm, I'm on the bandwagon, but I definitely am trying to use, okay, this, the holidays are over. Let's get back to my normal schedule type thing. Um, and especially, I think the big thing for me is just, um, as I'm getting older, obviously it's just for everybody, right? Your metabolism slows down. Maybe you're in a, uh, in a more, uh, professional environment, so you're a little bit more sedentary than before. Um, so you're just, you know, you're just, you're just going to gain more weight, you know, if you don't watch out. So you've got to, uh, you know, when you're younger, I remember in my twenties, it was just really easy to just not even count your calories or anything like that. Right. You just be able to be active. You're energetic. Your metabolism was rip roaring. So, you know, and then, you know, for, I know for me, I was doing some, you know, kind of, um, frontline jobs, so to speak, like retail, um, you know, working with people, standing up all the time, moving around, that type of thing. Um, and then, you know, finally I moved into, uh, you know, in my thirties, I moved into a corporate environment. So, you know, the, the environment is better, you know, the, uh, the pay is better, um, all that stuff, but I'm also more sedentary. Uh, there's food all the time, uh, not always healthy food. So now I have to be a little bit more self-disciplined about um, saying, okay, you know, I stay away from the snacks, you know, eat super, you know, eat super healthy. Um, I have to really try harder to lose weight than I did before. And anybody older, anybody older than me is probably laughing right now. They're like, uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> so um, I'm definitely in that transition phase where it's like, okay, metabolism slowing down. Um I have to be much more cognizant about what I eat and uh, I for sure have to do calorie counting or meaning manage and control my calories. That's really what it is. And it's not like I have very little calories to eat, right? Um, You know, based on my age and my activity level, you know, I have about 2,300 calories to eat. uh, And luckily, luckily and unluckily, uh, you know, males, uh, men can consume more calories uh, women unfortunately have to consume less. I feel sorry for women, um, but um, twenty three hundred calories is my cap. You know, if I keep it at that and I exercise, I should be able to lose about a pound a week. Um, but if I go over that, um, I'm definitely going to be gaining weight, right, or staying at level. Um, and you'd be you'd be surprised how you can easily consume twenty three hundred calories um, in a day. And even right now, like like I said, I'm trying to design my my health you know when you're in your 20s obviously you don't worry about health right and I, I was gonna and I want to get back to that it was before it was like uh okay maybe I'll eat a protein shake maybe I'll have a healthy lunch um drink lots of water but then after that you know my dinner or my breakfast it was kind of whatever 
right? Eat what I want and enjoy it. And I'd still be able to, um, you know, stay, you know, pretty, pretty in shape, right? Can't do that anymore, dude. <laughs> so what I'm doing right now, and, and for me, I've realized that when it comes to health, healthy eating or your lifestyle of eating, um, what people call diet, um, you know, it, it just, it's definitely has to be something that is sustainable for you and that you're going to be able to do on a long period and not kill yourself, right? Um, so I'm, you know, right now I'm doing um, intermittent fasting, so I'm not eating for 12 hours. So from 9 p.m. to 11 a.m., no food, um, only water water and coffee in the morning. Um, and then, I'm, you know, I'm definitely in bed by 10 o'clock, wake up early and do my exercising. But within those, that range of 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., that window... Um, obviously I can consume my 2,300 calories. And so now I, you have to do this nice balancing act of staying within that, that range of 2,300 and making sure you eat all your 2,300 because if you, you, you don't eat your, consume your calories, then you're going to be kind of malnourished or under, you know, uh, starving yourself. Right. And then I'm exercising and doing stuff. So that's no good, right? You have to eat 2,300 calories, but then you got to make sure you don't eat overeat. And then the level on top of that is kind of the macronutrients where you're thinking, okay, how much, what's my protein balance? What's my carb intake? What's my fats? What's my vegetables? Stuff like that. So I'm not at that level yet. <laughs> uh, since I'm doing the restart button on 2019, um, I'm starting with the kind of the broad level, you know, calorie management, calorie control. And then once, once that comes off and I have a good, um, discipline regiment around that, then I'll start focusing on macro macronutrients. Probably what I was trying to do at the end of last year was a was a high protein diet, um, high protein, um, yeah, yeah, basically high protein, um, and what that means is not, it's not anything crazy, but probably at least you know, uh, forty to fifty percent of my uh, intake of my calories would be some type of protein and then the rest of it could be you know vegetables or carbs or fat it really doesn't matter for me it was more about focusing on 50 percent of my 2300 calories um you know which is like 1150 needs to be protein and then everything else whatever right as long as i can get those calories as protein which would help with you know satiation um you know basically and one of the things i learned is in nutrition is basically your body can only absorb so much so much amount of protein on a day so the rest of it is just kind of getting excreted so uh it, it's a nice easy way of controlling what you eat uh but we'll see we'll see how it goes we'll we'll see how it goes through the year um and i've realized that for me and, and not everybody like i said there's so many different nuances of eating and behavior that it's just, like I said, it's really about finding what works for you. And I personally learned that if I can do intermittent fasting and not eat anything from nine to 11, it helps me not gain weight. So it keeps me from over consuming. And then once I manage my calories within 2300 and I, and I know that I have those allotted for the 10 hour window that I have, then I'm a little bit more strategic on like, okay, everything that I that comes in counts and I have to make sure it counts so yeah let's get a healthy let's get you know two healthy meals out there let's get a protein shake and then maybe my snack 
you know, maybe if I eat like a super healthy lunch and a healthy snack and I've got a protein shake at, uh, at the end of the night, I can splurge on my dinner and I will still be okay. So it helps me kind of balance that. And I think that's, for me, that works the best. Um, you know, kind of not planning it out, but thinking it out really helps. Um, so if you, you know, if you're out there listening and you're kind of in the same vein of what works for me or what doesn't, um, definitely talk it out with somebody. I know a, a good friend of mine um, named Caroline. Um, she's very much into health and fitness and uh, she kind of experiments with different things and see what works and what doesn't. Um, and then she's kind of settled into her, you know, what works for her. So don't be afraid to try things temporarily and say, hey, this worked or didn't work, or this is why it worked, or this is why it didn't work. Um, and then accept that or don't, right? Try something else or take take what did work for you and, and don't use what didn't work type of thing. So anyways, one of the cool things about, you know, lifestyle and health and fitness is um, it's very tailorable to you in your situation. So you don't have to do exactly what everybody else is doing. Um but I think for sure at that base foundation, I truly believe that when it comes to um, weight and weight loss, um, managing your consumption, managing your, your calorie intake is the foundation, right? Fundamental. And then, you know, once you can control that, you know, even if it's not uh, you're eating like super healthy foods, but even if let's say if you went to McDonald's or something like that, let's say you went to McDonald's. And you're like, okay, I had McDonald's for lunch, but now I have to eat like, you know, a salad for dinner. And you can balance it like that. Okay, well, at least you're within your calories still. At least you're learning how to manage your consumption. That's okay. That's a good start, in my opinion. Um, you know, if you said, look, you know, if I said Caesar, you, you know, you have 2,300 calories. And I went to McDonald's for lunch and I ate, you know, 1,200 of those calories, like half my calories. Then I know, oh, crap, you know, I'm not going to have too many calories later on in the day so i just got to be careful right healthy snack decent dinner and you know if i have any calories left in the after in the, in the evening find a healthy snack there right so i can have that one meal but i have to balance it the rest of the day and then i think once you kind of get used to that you know then you can kind of start replacing those bad uh meals with good meals and you realize oh my god if I replace this this McDonald's meal with a healthy meal, I have more calories to consume for the rest of the day. Like I can splurge on a nice snack, you know, um, in the afternoon, and then dinner I can have a, a you know a moderate decently like instead of just chicken and vegetables, I could do like a barbecue chicken and some vegetables and maybe add potatoes, and I I still have the balance, and that's a still good a really great dinner. And then I can still, you know, do something in the afternoon, something healthy or whatever. So for me, I think it was just learning how to balance, balance it out. You know, if I was starting the day healthy, I can end it, you know, not so healthy. And as long as it's within my range, or if I started the day not healthy, then I've got to end the day very healthy. So I think for me, it was that, I want to say that libertarian view, but definitely that idea of like, you have to manage your behaviors yourself, right? You have to kind of be the master of your domain, so to speak, you know, not to quote Seinfeld, but you definitely have to have that discipline within you. And, you know, the free market provides, right? Um, uh, right now I'm using, uh, this is not a plug, by the way. I'm just telling you what I personally use. 
I use the MyFitness app and I can track my calories real easy just on my phone instead of having to use a journal. Um, and they have a lot of stuff already pre-listed there. So you can type in, you know, barbecue chicken and it will tell you, you know, based on how many ounces or whatever kind of a, what a lot of other people have put in there. Um, you'll sometimes you'll get like a, like a, uh, um, you know, a major company like, you know, Whataburger or McDonald's or whatever, they'll have their menu listed there and you can kind of tally up the calories there. So there's, there's easy ways to do that, you know, and then right now, you know, in terms of exercising, I don't, I don't, I don't actually even own a gym membership now. Um, I work out at home, um, with, uh, again, not another plugin, just telling you what I use. <laughs> Um, but I use the, um, the Beachbody television, uh, I think it's Beachbody TV, um, you know, uh, basically it's like, I don't know, maybe eight or ten dollars a month, I think, uh, for the whole year, um, and, um, and they have a ton of programs out there that you can do at home, you know, um, you can do like a kickboxing, you can do a plyometrics, um, you can do weightlifting, um, you can do stuff that requires no equipment or you can do stuff that requires equipment and you can kind of, you know, tailor it to what you want. So I'm personally a big fan of that. Other people go to CrossFit, other people join gyms, whatever, you know, whatever works for you, as long as it fits your lifestyle, you know, I think for me, the big thing that wasn't working with gym memberships was the fact that I have to drive out to that, you know, like before. And, and, and again, this is all understanding what works in your life, but I have discovered that if I work out in the mornings, I'm more likely to do it versus going to work, um, you know, kind of burning out my energy there. And then in the afternoons, you know, having to struggle with, I'm tired, I'm, I'm ready to relax, all that stuff. Like that's my body's rhythm. Um, I'm pretty sure from a lot of stuff that I read, that's a, a lot of, of, uh, kind of the male energy is uh, we're kind of amped up in the mornings and then it tailors off at night and then from what I read about females about women is that their energy is kind of low in the in the mornings and then it amps up in in the night or in the afternoon evening right so I think you know uh, for females or for women um, you know you're probably more likely to want to get up and go to work wake up and then work out before you come home. And that's totally okay, right? If that works for you, go go for it. I love the morning workouts. Um, as a guy, I have my prime energy in the morning. Um, I do my workout before I go uh, before I go to work so I can shower at home and prepare. And then, you know, by the time I get home, by the time I get to work, I'm just like amped up with energy and I'm ready to like rock and roll. So that's how I like it. But like I said, when it comes to the gym, you know, uh, in terms of what how I know I work out and my energy, I realized like if I wake up and I have to drive to the gym, um, then I got to bring like a bag. Um, maybe it's adding commute time. It's just adding extra layers before I can get to work. Right. So I was like, no, I, that really doesn't work out. And, and some people work out at work, you know, if you have a work gym or whatever, and some people find that is okay. Like they go to work, they go to work out at lunch. Uh, but me, I personally feel like, you know, um, this rhythm that I've gotten into of like, I wake up, I work out, I, you know, clean up and get ready for work. And then I go to work and I'm just at work all day. And then I come home, I relax. Uh, maybe there's some chores or something I got to do, whatever it is, get that done. And then, you know, I'm ready to sit down, 
relax, read something, watch something, kind of wind down from the day and go and go to sleep. So that's what I like, and that's what works for me. So the at-home workout is perfect for that, um, and I love the autonomy to be able to kind of do um, whatever I want. So uh, anyways, so hopefully you're out there, and like I said, uh, you know, I know this is a libertarian Tex-Mex uh, podcast, but you know what? It's kind of, you know, kind of what I want, right? <laughs> Whatever conversation comes up. But at the same time, I mean, one of the things that we really don't think about as libertarians, but, you know, it's that idea of health and wellness, I think is still an important topic. Not that it has to be government regulated or forced on you, but, you know, when you go out there, there's plenty of ideas, there's plenty of good research, there's plenty of, you know, um, free market uh, tools that can go out there and help you. So it's nothing to be afraid of. Go out there and see what works for you um, and tailor it for yourself and enjoy it. You know, my, my wife loves, uh, she's not much of a, a physically, uh, she doesn't like physical activity like I, I do. Like I used to play sports. I do martial arts. I love being physically active. My wife is more of a performer, right? She loves to sing. So that's her focus. So when it comes to like getting up and just rocking and rolling on an exercise like cardio, weight training and stuff like that, it doesn't really appeal to her, right? But what I've discovered that she really does love to do is dancing, right? She loves to dance. So um, anytime she's doing a workout that's on dancing, um, she she is all about it. So, so it's like, you know, she finally found what she likes to do and it's still a good exercise. Um, and that's what has been consistent with her. And I think that's exactly what you should do, right? Like find what you like and, and that's cause that's, what's going to be consistent with you. And it's almost the same philosophy we have, uh, I have in martial arts because right now, you know, even in martial arts, there's this big conversation about what's effective and what's not effective. And, you know, MMA and BJJ, uh, I'm sorry, mixed martial arts and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu are, is the only thing that anybody should do, right? Everything else is kind of BS. But if you think about all the different people with all your different interests, maybe some people are just not interested in MMA and, and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Like they're not interested in that fighting, you know, rugged aspect of it. Maybe they just want kind of an, a nice, easy practice to get through it. Maybe they're looking for some, you know, traditional teachings or some spiritual aspects of it or some cultural practice for them. There's there's so many different interests out there that not everybody is going to get put into the same category. And and that is the beauty about being a libertarian, right? Is we understand that dynamic range of not everybody is going to be in the same bucket, right? Not everybody's going to be conservative, not everybody's going to be a progressive. Um, you know, some some and most people are in the gray zone, right? Like they're they believe some things that conservatives believe, but not everything. And then maybe they believe some things that progressives are doing, but not everything. And even this, us as libertarians, right? We have some political foundations and, you know, not every libertarian agrees with, with everything 100%. And it shouldn't be that way, right? We should have some dialogue and disagreement. Otherwise, I always worry if everybody is, agrees with me, I feel like I'm probably on the wrong side. <laughs> you know, like I have to... I have to put, I have to just, you know, make sure that I'm not just kind of going with the mob here. I got to make sure that, that I, I got to check myself, right? So anyways, 
Um, but, you know, you just got to make sure that you tailor things for yourself, that you're, you feel comfortable with your own voice. And if you have something you disagree with, um, it, it's okay to say you disagree. You know, and just find a nice, nice way to say it. Maybe you don't have to, you know, call people out and say, "Hey, I think you're bullshit," or "I, you know, I, I, I think you're wrong." You can maybe find different ways to say it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, example. I was in a meeting the other day, and um, you know, uh, we were kind of having an open dialogue, and one person had a one person was talking about. Um, the issues we, you know, uh, that come, come forth with data and, she, and, you know, she expressed one kind of uh, thing about it, but then I came back, you know, I came out and said, I, I didn't agree with what she was saying, but instead of saying, Hey, I don't agree with what you said, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I said, you know, actually I have a, a different view on that. And then I went into it and obviously we kind of went back and forth a little bit, but it was still kind of in a more respectful, um, professional environment to say, Hey, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't think that, right? I think this. Uh, but it adds more dynamics. It's not like um, what I think is what I think she's saying is wrong. Uh, what I thought was more like she's, you know, this person is kind of responding to this issue, but maybe, maybe the issue itself is not the source of the problem. Maybe it's something else. Um, so anyways, that, that's what I was thinking. But all things linked together, all things related, um, you know, um, we are, I forgot how many days now, I'm going to have to look this up, uh, but, you know, speaking of going into politics, uh, we are in the government shutdown right now, by the way. Um, has this affected anybody? Let me know. Uh, I don't want to be too snarky about it, um, but um, I know at first we we're kind of like, it doesn't really affect anybody, but now we are starting to see effects from certain people. Um um, I think I know for taxes, you know, they're not going to get processed until the government is back up. Um, some people are furloughed right now. Um, any government workers? Um, I think they said, uh, I know some of my, some of my friends that are doing government research are granted by uh, having uh, government grants for research are on hold until they get their money. Um, Coast Guard, things like that. Um, it's really interesting to see how this does affect people. And I think from the libertarian perspective, you know, obviously, you know, libertarians promote autonomy, kind of, uh, you know, kind of independence in the market versus dependence from go on government. Um, and, I, and I would do the caveat when, when needed, right? I know there's certain people... With disabilities, the uh, elderly, the retired, sometimes they're just, they're at the mercy and, and we would, we'll have to definitely figure out a, a, you know, a free market solution from that and have good discussions about that. But we know those people are at probably the biggest risk um, of a government shutdown. But everybody else, um, you know, the majority of the market, uh, majority of the working population, you know, you definitely go there and go, I mean, are we... I mean, what was, I'm trying to remember the number. It was like eight, I don't know if it was 800,000 or 80,000. I'm pretty sure it's 800,000, but I was just like, really? They, you know, the government has that many people um, that are currently right now being considered non-essential um, that they're being put on hold. So how many essential people do we have that are still being paid? 
And then, you know, obviously my, my snark and my, my joke about the government shutdown is they're not even shut down, right? They're just kind of shutting down certain parts of it, um, you know, simply because the president and um, the uh, judicial, not judicial, um, the legislative branch don't agree with each other. Um, and so now you have this, you know, government drama, which I think, honestly, as a libertarian, you look at this and go, you know, this is why we've been promoting, you know, um, independence from government when you can, um, and not depending on the government when you can. Um, and, you know, especially with all the, uh, you know, ancillary jobs, um, you know, that may not be essential, but to a person who took that job, it's probably essential, right? But, um, you know, looking at alternatives, like why did this person do a government job versus uh, getting a job in the market? Stuff like that. But we know the reasons for that, right? We know people, you know, see that there's benefits, there's kind of a, you know, a, a longevity in the government, they're not gonna be shut down. Um, usually you, it's hard to get fired from these jobs. Um, you, you can be furloughed, right? You cannot get paid, but it's very difficult for them to fire people. So some people just see that as like a steady income. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, you, you develop a dependency on that one. So, uh, I would say anybody out there who does have that, you know, that government job, uh, that's currently right now a non-essential that you're being furloughed on. Uh, first, I'm, you know, really sorry that you're having to go through that, but, you know, look at it, look at it. I will always say, look at it in the free market. Is there anything you can do in the meantime? Is there anything you could have done as an alternative to this job that you have? Um, and I know there's a bunch of solutions, but I think for the most part, I think everybody, even libertarians, are ready for this quote-unquote shutdown to be over with. It's just so much drama, you know? So much drama from President Trump, so much drama from the, um, you know, the legislative um, representatives out there who are battling Trump. Um, and, and, and I'm not even saying it's a, a bad thing or a good thing, because obviously, as a libertarian, you know, looking at this and understanding that this whole argument is about uh, funding a border wall, um, we libertarians clearly obviously do not want a border wall, right? Uh, but at the same time, if you look at everything else that they're going to be funding, you know, if you look at how much money they're spending for 2019, which is overspending, by the way, deficit spending, and they're spending billions on all these other programs that are non-essential. So, you know, it's a bit hypocritical um, for the legislative representatives to be fighting Trump on this. Um, it's more of a symbolic... Um, idealistic uh, fight that they're doing with each other but even in that it's kind of dumb right like we've never had a border wall we've never like even even when illegal immigration was at, was at its highest right in the 70s and 80s um, we didn't have a border wall guess what we had border security right border patrol um, we had people on the border um, helping you know manage that but never in you know the 200 plus years of uh, the United States, have we ever had a border wall? And even before that, I mean, Mexico didn't say, hey, we need a border wall from all these gringos coming through. Or Texas, right? Texas wasn't like, we need to build a border wall from Mexico because Santa Ana is going to come back. No, the border was open and we fought it, right? We defended it. 
Um, so this whole idea that border wall is the only solution, the only way we're going to have security is total BS. Um, I think it's, um, you know, unfortunately conservatism gone wrong. Um, and, and now they're kind of stuck in that position that they have to fight it. Um, it's an ideal, idealistic war, um, that for some reason, border walls have all of a sudden become important. When in the decades before, conservatives were all about uh, restrained and limited government, you know, I, what, cons what libertarians have been talking about. And now they're for big government, you know, big government to protect you from the dangers of immigration. So, you know, the evolution of the conservative is not, I mean, they call themselves conservatives, but they're not conservatives, right? There's no conservation. There's no restrained government. Um, it's all about uh, the positions that they take is what they think is conservatives nowadays. But really, it's like this bastardized version of conservatism. And likewise with liberals, right? Liberals are not liberals. Liberals do not believe in freedom. Liber, right? The, the Latin word is freedom. They don't believe in freedom, you know? They believe in a government-controlled version of their values, right? So neither of these camps of conservatives or liberals, and I, I'm, if you've ever heard me talk, I don't, I don't like liberals, you know, the democratic progressive. I don't like the, how they've kind of took over that word. I'm taking it back, right? Libertarians are liberals. They, liberals liberalism is the foundation of Western society, of the Libertarian Party, because liberal liberalism is the belief in freedom. So, you know, um, we need to kind of make sure we don't forget about that, right? Liberalism is about freedom. It's not about, um, you know, government grants and government protection and government this and government that. It's not about that. As long as government is protecting our freedoms um, and the freedom of the individual and the freedoms of the groups um, and having that as the foundation, then we can say, okay, we are about liberalism. Americanism is liberalism, right? But the way conservatives talk nowadays where it's like anti-immigrant, anti-female, um, you know, anti-brown person, right? If you're a brown person, they don't care about your, your issues. They don't care about issues with the African-American community or the Latino community. Um, they don't, right? They, they're not about criminal justice reform. They're not about the... The, the poverty rates of African-American and Latinos. Um, they're not interested in any of that, right? They want these stern rules on immigration, on law enforcement, um, you know, on uh, religious protection, etc. That for somehow, for some reason, has become the conservative position, which is not conservative at all, right? You're not talking about limited government. You're talking about protections of the people in your camp. And it's, you know, libertarians have always made this argument. It's the same thing that Democrats and progressives are doing, right? They're not about freedom. They're not about freedom for everybody. They're about protections for the people that are voting for them. And that's essentially what it is, right? Conservatives vote for protections for people who vote for them and nobody else. And then progressives do the same thing, right? They vote for protections for the people that vote for them and nobody else. So now you have this divided camp um, of two people in the majority of the major two major parties that 
are moving far away from each other, but they're using the same strategies and they have the same mindset, right? Use the government to your will for your party and do what you want for your voters and everybody else can, can you know, fuck off. And unfortunately, there's a huge mass middle of centrists, people in the middle, libertarians, independents, um, you know, practical Republicans, practical Democrats, who agree closer to each other than, you know, the extreme ends of this, and who could probably find a better solution that moves us closer to a libertarian position, right? Because, the liber you know, us libertarians, you know, fundamentally, principally, we believe in open borders and pro-immigration status, right? But it's not that we don't understand that there has to be some type of vetting or making sure that, you know, we're not getting criminals or terrorists or so to speak. But there's an easy way to do that that doesn't have to do anything with the border wall. Um, so we have to understand, you know, what position to take and obviously in, in clearly what positions move us closer to that. So I always say to people, you know, as a libertarian, a libertarian in Texas, you know, we have such a a connected culture with Mexico, you know, Tex-Mex, you know, half of that is, is Mexican culture, you know, barbecue, um, you know, crawfish, everything, everything has a flair of, of Mexican culture to it. And, and we're okay with that. And the people come in here, right, from Mexico, many people descendants from Mexicans, right? I am, you know, my family is descendant from Mexico. My dad is from Mexico, right? Um, so there's a close connection we have with Mexico and I, and, and instead of treating them as like the enemy or the problem, uh, we have to view them as part of the solution, right? As part of the family, as part of the community that understand like, okay, how can we, how can we both deal with this problem easier? Right? Um, so moving in that direction of a more connected community um, moving in the direction that's not hateful towards Latinos or Mexican immigrants or anything like that. Finding positions that make sense really should be the focus of conservatives, libertarians, and liberals uh, alike, progressives, progressives alike. That, that's going to make sense. You know, I know some people were talking about not maybe not the border wall, but increasing like maybe border patrols. Um, across the stretch of 2,000 plus miles that we have going on. Um, um, and even the uh, even one of the um, staff members of President Trump admitted that they're not going to be able to do a wall on certain parts, right? So it's kind of like, well, what, you know, what the hell is the point of a wall if you can just go around it, you know? Uh, so anyways, I think this whole thing of a wall doesn't make sense. And I think conservatives know it. Obviously, I think Democrat progressives know it. Um, clearly. Um, and I think conservatives are just having a hard time admitting that this is the wrong position. You know, if they're really worried about um, security, then you would want, you would want border patrol, right? You would want to put people on the ground, right? Troops, so to speak. Um, this, if there's any place that, you know, there is a place for not military, but that security of law enforcement, it's at the borders, right? On the water, Coast Guard, stuff like that. Making sure that their goal is to, um, you know, 
capture a corral or so to speak and process you know that uh, I think can be the minimal government work uh, but in terms of stopping people and kicking them out that's not the work of the government right um, we still need a pro-immigration status you know I was joking with some friends on Facebook I was like you know what if you really were worried about you know, illegal immigrants not paying taxes, why don't you, like, build, you know, uh, you know, welcoming centers at the border, right? And Border Patrol doesn't, you know, arrest people in detention camps, but corrals people and says, you have to go to the welcome center to register. Um, and then you go in and you say, hey, give me, you know, proper ID. We're doing a quick check to make sure you don't have any um, outstanding, you know, warrants or anything like that or you're not a criminal or a terrorist you could do that with an easy system um, right there and then if nothing comes up if they're for the most part clean you can give them a temporary social security number or a tourist visa or work visa or something like that and let them be on their way so there's there's obviously a, a pro solution a pro immigration solution that would be able to vet people to make sure we're not um, you know, having those issues, um, those dangers that people worry about, which obviously, in my opinion, are lower than they think. Uh, they're overstated. But just to appease you, to, to kind of shut, shut you up about security, um, let's have a welcoming center, right? Border Patrol corrals all these people up. They line them up. Um, you have to show forms of ID. We run a quick check just to make sure you're not on the terrorist watch list or anything like that, or um, any have any warrants from Mexico or Guatemala or whatever. Um, and if it looks relatively okay, we can say, okay, we're gonna let you go on a temporary temporary visa. Um, you still, if you wanna become a citizen, you still have to go through the process. Um, you know, your visa expires on this date, you have to come, you know, back and turn it in or whatever it is, um, whatever you wanna put for measures of quality is totally okay. But the idea that, you know, you wanna arrest people, put them in camps, see them at a judge, and then kick them out, is not about processing immigration. It's about blocking people from coming, you know? And um, that turns into a different conversation. But anyways, so yeah, we are in day, I think I said day 28 on, uh, Day 28, government shutdown. For the most part, the majority of Americans who work in the open market doesn't really affect us too much. I know I work, there's a couple of effects on some government processes. But other than that, I mean, business as usual. Um, the only, and then, um, you know, if you're essential government, you're still working, you're still having to do things. Um, I think we had a representative in Texas who refused to take a paycheck until the government was open. I think that's 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 very honorable. Um, but the reasons behind it, you know, him him supporting uh, the border wall, I think is impractical. And we're talking about Dan Crenshaw, by the way. He's a conservative uh, representative here in Texas. Um, you know, he's supporting the government opening with the border wall funding. Um, and unfortunately, I think that's, that's uh, unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate, right? Um, but, um, 
well, we'll just have to let that be. But for now, <clears throat> you have enough people who don't want a wall as elected representatives, and you have plenty of voters who don't want a wall as elected representatives. I unfortunately think Donald Trump and the conservatives who are pro-wall um, are going to have to face a loss here um, or concede um, to a lower spending on it. As a libertarian, you don't want any spending and anything on this. So you kind of, we're kind of okay with this government shutdown. But I think it's going to have serious ramifications for Republicans and serious ramifications for Democrats if they don't come to a solution pretty soon. So, so hopefully at some point um, they'll see. But I, I'm going to predict that what's going to happen, right? It's not going to be the five billion. It's probably going to be less. Right now, I think the. Uh, uh, the representatives offered like maybe one and a half. So maybe it comes up to two to three billion for for security, not a wall. Um, I think they'll, I think maybe President Trump will concede to, uh, okay, maybe not a wall, but a steel fence. We're going to, and you know, and then obviously there's already fence there. So it's just going to be like an updated fence and a little bit more security. And then, you know, conservatives can shut the hell up about the border um, and illegal immigration. For now, which is ironic because we have the lowest Im lowest illegal immigration rate in decades. So it's kind of like, why are you whining about this now? I don't get it. Uh, but I mean, just like you know, just like Democrats and progressives who had the majority, who had the president, had the majority in in the legislation, they were just trying to push their agenda through. And it's the same thing now. You know, conservatives had. Uh, Republicans had the president, they had the House um, and the Senate, so they were trying to shove their ideas down other people's throats. And it goes into what libertarians have been saying, is that conservatives and, and, and progressives fundamentally are the same people at the end of the day, right? They may, the topics may be different, but the way they force it on other people, the way they create drama, the way they fight with each other, it's like, it's almost like looking into a mirror. So, if you're one of those person, one of those people, I would uh, encourage you to change my mind and tell me that you are not the same as your enemy, but honestly, you're kind of the same. <laughs> so, anyways, so yeah, so we are dealing with a government shutdown. Blah blah blah. Um, I think the only person, people that I do feel um, some sympathy for are people who are, are have that dependency, and there's no way to back that out. You know, people with disabilities, uh, people in retirement, on Social Security, uh, maybe unemployment, but I mean, unemployment's super low. So just just people who have that dependency, I do feel bad for them. Um, Non-essential employees, I don't feel as bad. Um, I think, you know, for me, I think that would fall under personal choices, just like me, if I were to get fired from my job. I would say, okay, this was my choice to work for this person, for this thing. I would have to find another means of work. Um, so, and that's what I've been reading up to is um, non-essential employees are now finding work in the meantime. That's exactly what the rest of us do, by the way, in the free market. You know, if I don't have a job, you know, if my government, if, I'm sorry, if my employee furloughed me and said they can't, uh, I can't work for a certain amount of time, I'd have to make ends meet, right? I have to make up that money and I have to go out and do something else, right? Uber, you know, get a second job or whatever it is, right? You'd have to find a way to do that. 
Um, and unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, it depends on how you look at it. But the rest of us do that in our normal lives. Government, non-essential government employees are going to have to do this now until they can. I know there's some people in the military and stuff like that where they can't, they under, under, under contract to, um, that they can't get other jobs. Um, they basically have to do their jobs without uh, pay. Um, and I would definitely look at that and use this as an example of restructuring that to say either we need to move you as essential or if you're not essential and we are not paying you, then we, we understand that you have to seek, um, you have to seek uh, employment elsewhere on the temporary basis and we'll call you back when we're ready to hire you again. I think in terms of contracts, that would not be so unreasonable. Um, in the free market, you know, in, in private contracts, that's what we have, right? I mean, clearly if my job didn't pay me um, and they said, hey, we don't have money to pay you, um, there'd be hell to pay, right? <laughs> or they would totally understand that if we're not paying you, we get it, you can go out and seek uh, employment elsewhere. Um, and that's exactly what would happen. So um, so I think in a private, private industry, there's incentive to obviously pay your employees. And if you had to have to take out debt to do that in the meantime, that's what you're going to do. Otherwise, you lose your talent. So I would say even on that side, government, right? Government needs some type of some type of temporary gap that's like installed in the system, right? If the government, if the, uh, um, you know, if the legislation and the president cannot agree on a budget, they're going to have to borrow money for all the um, current employees until they agree on a budget, right? You can't just not pay your employees and not, um, you know, not have a job or not do what you're supposed to be doing, you know? So I would say if you're not, if you don't have a budget and you haven't agreed on something, you're going to have to temporarily keep these people um, employed until you do. Um, but I get it. I get that's the easiest, it's the easiest way to have people agree on something, put some pressure on them. So on the other side, I think if you're going to do something like that, then you have to understand that the people you are employing um, that you are considering non-essential, they have the total right to work and do what they need to do to make ends meet, um, including the military. I think if you're not paying your military or the Coast Guard or whatever, that you should have a clause in the contract, your your contract you wrote when you do that, to say, if we're not paying you, um, you know, for a certain amount of time, you're well within your rights to seek temporary employment elsewhere until we call you back for duty. That would be me in terms of professional sound contracts. So, but whatever. Anyways, so we'll see how this goes. Um, I'm trying a new format um, this year. Um, you know, usually I was doing uh, Monday nights was my uh, recording time and I would post it out on Tuesday. What I'm trying to do now, I kind of realized in terms of uh, going back to behaviors and patterns that work for you, I realized that Monday night, um, I'm pretty exhausted from work and starting the work week, right? So I'm trying to flip it where we can talk on, I'm going to be recording on Fridays and then um, post it out on Monday mornings. Um, I think in terms of uh, activities and trackers, I think one of the things they suggested for me was Monday is when most people um, listen to podcasts and stuff like that. So 
if you want to get more people engaged, Monday's the idea. So I was like, okay, how can I do that? And then I realized, oh, well, this makes sense because Mondays, I'm pretty exhausted at night. So Fridays are a little bit easier. Sometimes I'm off. Sometimes I'm working from home, things like that. So maybe it's easier if I do it Friday and then post it out on, on Monday. So I'm going to do, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about that. So let me know how you, what you think on this new format. See how it goes. But I want to say welcome back. Um, happy 2019. Um, share your thoughts, share your opinions on anything that you have today. We really, uh, really appreciate the feedback. And then um, also please share this podcast. You know, we're just, I'm a young youngling when it comes to the podcasting world. So any help, any suggestions I can have, I'd greatly appreciate it. So anyways, um, everybody have a good week, have a good weekend, and we'll hear from you next time. Bye.